Welcome to Cryptic Chronicles, a show all about exploring the unexplained mysteries of this ineffable universe we call home. Today we're going to get into lore behind the Dark Fleet, a secret space program that has a bunch of incredibly advanced technology of a, an actual armada of space vessels ran by the Fourth Reich and dominated by reptilian aliens. We're going to start all the way from the beginning and how the reptilians came to Earth in the first place and their eternal enemies in the Lyran humans. And then we're going to go up all the way through modern times and into how allegedly we are technically ruled by space Nazis. So buckle up, because it's time to get weird. I'm your host, Tim Hacker, and you're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. This is, this is the way. This is the way. These, these entities, they would congregate. Now is the time to take risks. Everyone knows the story of how World War II ended. The Nazis were defeated and Hitler deleted himself in his bunker as the communists pushed forward to conquer Berlin. The Third Reich defeated. I mean, other than some Nazis escaping to Argentina and, you know, the US inducting some into NASA and whatnot. But that's pretty much the end of the story for most people. I mean, to this day, there's people who say that or conspiracy theories that uh, say that Hitler survived World War II and actually escaped to go live in Argentina. And that the body that was found in the bunker by the Russians was actually just one of his many body doubles, which is a fact, he did have many body doubles. But most people have pretty much accepted the mainstream narrative that, you know, Hitler ended himself and the Third Reich was pretty much wiped out. Well, the work of Len Kaskin, among many others, uh, takes the idea that World War II didn't end the way we think it did to a whole new level. According to these researchers, Hitler did not only survive World War II, but the Third Reich actually didn't even lose. They orchestrated the end of the Second World War the way it went down on purpose. And this is the Fourth Reich, allegedly the true masters of our solar system, and even a conquering threat to other worlds in neighboring star systems. The surviving space Nazis have what Len Kaskin calls the Dark Fleet, which patrols our solar system and has technology far more advanced than anything we can imitate with our modern tech. And you may be wondering, okay, well, how did they get this technology? And why would they purposely seem to lose World War II when they could actually have won? And those would be good questions. Well, according to these researchers, the Third Reich had an alliance with the galactic race of conquerors known as the Reptilians, which on this show we're no strangers to, right? 
Uh, it reminds me of some of the episodes from Star Trek Enterprise. These reptilians are actually the original inhabitants of Earth, but our solar system, the solar system, is originally a human solar system, with the reptilians being the invaders. The original inhabitants of the solar system were actually Lyran humans. They were refugees from the Lyran star system. Their original home planets, well, three of them, their original home planets were destroyed by the reptilians in genocide. And this is like uh, a long time in the past, but so the the refugees who came to the solar system actually they had a whole civilization already going by the time the reptilians showed up and because these three planets were destroyed it was not just like um some of the lyrans it was basically all the lyran humans who fled the lyran star system they spread them throughout the galaxy and some of these refugees happened to land in our solar system but earth was not what it was back then how it is now Originally, they inhabited Mars, which was much more similar to Earth and how it could sustain life, as well as a planet called Maldek. And for a long time, everything was working out pretty well for them. That is, until the reptilian empire decided they wanted a settlement in the solar system. Back then, Earth was mostly just an uninhabitable water planet, but the reptilians had the technology to terraform the world. They sent their colonists in a world ship whose first priority was to annihilate all human competition in the solar system. So they didn't have to worry about anything in the future, like uh, bothering their whole frontier base on Earth. It was a massive investment of time and resources, so they took the whole thing really seriously, which is why they just blew up Maldek. And that's why we have the asteroid belts. But originally... I mean, there's other lore that I like that kind of says the same thing, but they call the planet Tiamat. But in this stuff, Maldek was originally an inhabited human planet in the solar system and was blown up by the reptilians, and it became the asteroid belt. It's kind of interesting. When the reptilians came to Earth, they brought with them dinosaurs, which were their primary food source. So dinosaurs are actually aliens, according to this lore, which is... That's new to me. But it gives you an idea of just how much time comes and goes in this narrative. We're talking millions of years. I'm saying it and going to say it kind of like how it may seem like I'm just going from one event to another. But all this stuff actually takes place over eons. So anyway, I'm telling all this stuff. Just assume that there's a lot of time. and It goes down over long periods of time. And it's not just one event to another. Anyway, upon entering the solar system with their world ship, like I said, the reptilians immediately destroyed Maldek. And when they were going past Mars, they used their tech to destroy the atmosphere of Mars, as well as bombarding an entire side of the planet. They didn't want to destroy Mars because that could actually get in the way of their plans of terraforming Earth and damage the planet or, you know, be issues for them. So they decided to just destroy the atmosphere of Mars. But a lot of these Martian humans survived and they were forced to go underground. However, it was still a massive genocide yet again committed by the reptilians to human Lyrans. The world ship would set up permanent orbit as the new planet Venus. And the reptilians could begin their work in the solar system that would take a really long time to complete. But Venus was too far away from Earth to be a practical base of operations. So they brought in the moon, 
which is actually, according to Len Kaskin and many other researchers, an artificial moon. It's hollow and was actually dragged into place to assist in terraforming Earth. And being a more convenient base of operations for the reptilians. The reptilians used the nanotechnology of their world ship and moved Earth into the Goldilocks zone and began terraforming Earth to become comfortable for them to make their outpost in this part of the galaxy bearable, I guess. And the reptilians are still around on Earth till this day and consider themselves the rightful owners of this world, not us modern humans. However, the rest of the humans in the galaxy were extremely upset. The Federation, they called themselves, not only because of the massive genocide that the reptilians had committed in the past against the Lyran humans, but obviously in the casual way that they'd exterminated all the humans that they found on their way to colonizing Earth and destroying an entire planet that they were living on. The reptilians had used humans for sport basically for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. They, did, they thought of them as little, or I guess I think of them, as little more than animals. So it was safe to say that the Federation did not want reptilians to just be the sole power over here in this part of the galaxy, which is actually on the fringe of most of the like really big empires. It's We're technically like a frontier planet. The other human refugees that survived Lyran genocides long ago had formed a Federation, like I said, and were very capable of defending themselves having the same level of technology as the reptilians, and in some ways much better, but in different ways not as good. But this federation, it originally began with only a hundred star systems. But at the time that we're talking about right now, it had grown into many, 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 many more. It also had a lot of non-human members who had suffered from the reptilian aggression. So, the genocide of humanity in the solar system and the attack on Mars and the destruction of Maldek was not going to be ignored. However, not all the humans that originally came from Lyra agreed to join the Federation. There were three factions that refused. One particular faction had let the hate of the reptilians consume them so much that they basically became renegades from all the other factions and genetically altered themselves to become super soldiers and committed themselves to basically a permanent guerrilla war against the Draconis Empire, the Reptilians. The other two factions that refused to join the Federation were more inclined with the rest of the humans in demeanor, but still outsiders. Troublemakers is what a lot of the Pleiadians called them. And the faction in particular is the Atlans. These were very courageous and fearless aliens or human Lyrans that had no problem in confronting reptilians. They were not afraid of the reptilians and were loud proponents of taking action against reptilians in the galaxy. And they were restless and didn't get along with any of the other Lyran humans thinking that they were just being passive when they should be taking action. But uh, after all, the destruction of Maldek and Mars reached the rest of the Federation. Everybody was extremely pissed off, especially the Atlans, obviously, and godlike beings known as the Elohim, who were revered by all members of the Federation without exception, decided to relocate these outsiders. Not that they didn't want to either. It wasn't a forced relocation but it was beneficial to everybody in the greater picture, according to the Elohim. 
What the Atlans wanted was justice, so their desires could be used for mutual good of all. An expedition of these Pleiadians was sent to Earth to confront the Reptilians, as well as humans who had gone underground on Mars. Many of them were sick of living underground and saw that the Reptilians had turned Earth into a habitable planet, and they too were kind of pushed by the Elohim to go resettle on Earth. Not all of them, but a decent amount. Not to mention a lot of the Mars humans were taken as slaves by the Reptilians. But all in all, the Elohim was sending human factions to Earth to oppose the reptilian power in this part of the galaxy. However, the Atlans, the Pleiadians, that came to the soul system to confront the reptilians were not like humans like we are humans. They were much more evolved, not only in spiritual ways, but their senses. They were just kind of superior. Just think that's an easy way to sum it up. And they had highly advanced technology on top of all that, so they were very capable of holding their own against the reptilians in the soul system. The main settlements of the reptilians was on the continents of Lemuria, and the Atlans settled on a continent that they named Atlantis. It did take time to get around to all that and to build the city of Atlantis that we know from legend. The conflict did break out between the Reptilians and the Atlans almost immediately. One thing to remember about all this lore is that, just like back then and up till this day, the Reptilians in the Soul System are pretty isolated from the rest of the Draconis Empire. This is a frontier outpost, essentially. Far, far away from the heart of the intergalactic politics and whatnot. And that's why the Reptilians don't just auto-win and they have to rely on clever tactics. It's the Wild West where they don't instantly have support from the rest of their other lizard people. But even then, at the same time, the Reptilians are not an absolute warrior culture, even in their own star systems where their power is supreme, like they're the heart of their empire. They only go on an all-out war destruction footing when they are intent on annihilation. But empires are not built on the back of destroyed worlds, now are they? but by the inhabitants that utilize them. They are renowned slavers as well, but even then, much like the Roman Empire found out, as well as a lot of the long-lasting slave empires, uh, eventually it just doesn't work anymore and becomes counterproductive and unsustainable. It is much better to have the conquered govern themselves while retaining all the benefits of control and tribute. Many great civilizations have fallen because they did not learn the slave lesson but early on, or on frontier spaces, it's still useful, hence why the reptilians employ it wherever necessary. It's just not long-term sustainable. So you can think of the reptilians as more than just like conquering monster savages. They are those, they are that, but they also know that in order to have a real empire, they have to be practical and not be 100% like enslaved tyranny, blah, 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 blah. They're still tyrants. I don't know how to say that right. I think you get what I mean. The reptilians are first and foremost scientists. They're also schemers and only go to open war when their intent is to utterly destroy, like I said. But long term, they prefer to keep things intact and running smoothly. Their main weapon is actually subterfuge and clever use of their technology and planning, trickery, manipulation, and ruthless politics. 
or just the threat of annihilation because they do have some of the best warfare technology, not only in this galaxy, but in all of the known ones in the vicinity of our galaxy. So they're nothing to be messed with. But my point is just that they're sneaky. And they don't have to, they're cold-blooded. They don't really have like the same ego issues that mammalians have, mammalian species in the universe. They are more about just results. There are many worlds in the Draconis Empire that are not even aware that they are ruled by the reptilians or that they are part of an intergalactic empire or that there are even aliens or intelligent life on other worlds or that space is even a thing. So according to this lore, there's tons of worlds out there, part of the Draconis Empire, that don't even know that they're part of the Draconis Empire. And this is a good thing to always keep in mind about reptilians. When the Atlans arrived and settled on the other hospitable continent, naming it Atlantis, over time they created their own settlements and civilization. Um, skirmishes broke out almost immediately, but for a while, full-fledged conflict was mostly avoided. The intergalactic politics of what the reptilians did in the solar system, though, was getting pretty heated in the other parts of the galaxy. So a council was called, which was moderated by the godlike Elohim that even the reptilians could t nod to, I guess. But uh, yeah, the reptilians were also invited to the council since they technically own Earth. But since the solar system was technically a human solar system and they didn't belong there in the first place, there's a compromise of what must be done about all of the needless death inflicted by the reptilians. The Elohim approved of a new race of humans to be created that would make Earth their permanent home, which at first greatly offended the reptilians until compromises were made to which the reptilians did agree with. The compromise was that this new race of humans would have a reptilian brain, a mammalian brain, as well as a high reasoning higher reasoning. The reptilians agreed to this because they thought that if the humans had the reptilian brain, like theirs, that they would be easier to manipulate from the fourth dimension, or just manipulate through like fear and propaganda and stuff like that. The reptilian brain is our fight or flight instinct. It's our, it's the cause of our warlike tendencies. But the Elohim, on the other hand, disagreed with what the reptilians thought because they thought that the, the reptilian brain in us would actually make us more durable, more resilient, more able to confront the reptilians on our own planet. You see, most of the Lyran humans, they don't have that reptilian aspect to them. That's unique to us, the Homo sapiens sapiens. In any case, the reptilians thought that they got a good deal and tricked the Elohim, even though the Elohim, you know, thought that they were actually kind of screwing themselves over by mixing higher reasoning and the mammalian brain and the reptilian brain. The reptilians didn't have the imagination to see how it could be used against them and not be uh, to their advantage as they thought. After all, they think of humans as less than animals, and un being underestimated is the best advantage you could possibly have. But the 20 original humans, the 20 original human Lyrans all got together to share their DNA, as well as the reptilians, and the Elohim came to Earth to create the Homo sapiens sapiens, the Adamu, in the Garden of Eden in, over in the Near East. Or 
I think Anatolia actually is what it said. Near East, Anatolia, either or. This is essentially like a lot of the ancient origin myths. However, success didn't happen immediately. There were many prototypes that came before. That's where you get the Cro-Magnums, the Neanderthals, you know, all of the past forms of humans. Those were the prototypes that actually weren't killed because the, you know, the Elohim are benevolent. So even though they weren't exactly what they wanted, they let them still roam free around the earth. They all did eventually die off other than us, but eventually the Homo sapiens sapiens were perfected and they were released. So at this point in time, there are the Atlantean humans, there are the Martian humans, the Maldex survivors who fled to Mars and then came to Earth, and then there's us, as well as the maybe some remnants of Neanderthals at this time. Homo sapiens sapiens were ordered by the Elohim to procreate and spread throughout the Earth and dominate it. So there was population-wise, the Homo sapiens sapiens were quickly approaching the others and looked like they would surpass them pretty easily. But it was right about now that stuff really started to get heated between the reptilians and the Atlanteans. Thanks for listening to Cryptic Chronicles. The show is sponsored by Blueberry, and if you're interested in starting your own podcast, use our link. We'll even give your podcast a shout out. Go to crypticchroniclespodcast.com and click on the Blueberry link on the homepage. By doing so, you'll be helping the show. Blueberry is optimized for iTunes as well as all podcast hubs. You won't have to worry about expensive contracts or fees. In fact, you won't have to leave your own website. You'll have your own RSS feed and no third-party sites. Try it for a month free by going through Cryptic Chronicle. Also, if you're a fan of cryptic content, please support the show on Patreon. By giving just $1 a month, you can really assist us in posting more content frequently. You'll also have access to bonus ad-free episodes of the show and the Discord channel. To keep up with all Cryptic Chronicles content, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and of course Facebook. Give the Facebook page a like and join the Cryptic Chronicles group. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for supporting the show. But most of all, thanks for listening.
The Atlan's main strategy was first to kill off the main source of resources for food for the reptilians. But there was always other stuff to eat. So there was no long-term victory no matter how many dinosaurs they killed off. The Atlanteans began to rely more on developing their technology and developed electromagnetic weaponry. And this weapon was so powerful that it could even shift tectonic plates, which they used to sink Lemuria. But even this was no victory. A large number of reptilian civilizations already lived underground, uh, underneath the surfaces of planets already throughout the cosmos. So it was actually no big deal for them to just shrug and move their civilization under the earth. The main areas that they settled after the fall of Lemuria were Antarctica, as well as under Tibet and India, with their new underground capital city being directly under Tibet. They rebuilt, regrouped, and eventually, it was time to strike back. According to this lore, as well as other reptilian lore that I have read, it's said that the reptilians always send infiltrators and like um, agents, I guess, to corrupt people from within before they attack. Like not only do they turn people who already live somewhere traitor against their own people, but they also create hybrids to infiltrate and get positions of power and they're just like huge saboteurs and sneaky. They're not going to attack directly. Usually they're not going to attack directly unless they already have like a huge infiltration campaign already going on and has everybody ready to, you know, turn on their own people, I guess, or just screwed everything up with sabotage behind the scenes. The reptilians are expert geneticists and in their attack against Atlantis, they created many hybrids that were pretty much indistinguishable from Atlanteans, unless their veil was lifted in certain circumstances in which their visual reptilian features could actually be noticed. But they sent these hybrids to corrupt Atlantis from within, as well as turning other Atlanteans against their own. And these people gained places of power, authority, and influence to corrupt the minds of the masses and sabotage Atlantis in key strategic ways. There were many people in Atlantis who were power hungry, and they were corrupted by these temptations from the reptilians. And have you ever read the, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth? It's funny because this lore kind of similar to that, but many began practicing like dark magic and blood sacrifice and other things that tainted the spiritual power of Atlantis and divided its people as well as just kind of giving more of an open gateway to the reptilian influence in the city on the minds of the public and everything. In the end, the reptilian victory against Atlantis was all but complete and they used the same technology to sink Atlantis into the ocean that was used against them that sank Lemuria. The humans that betrayed the other Atlanteans are allegedly still paying this karmic debt with their soul incarnations till this day, which also is found in Starseed lore. So it's weird how like a lot of these ideas overlap, but the Atlanteans were not entirely exterminated. They were all but defeated, but many were evacuated ahead of time because of like the good guy, the white magicians, the those people, the priests. They had a vision that Atlantis was going to fall. They were warned. The black magicians, on the other hand, the bad guys who were part of all the problem, 
they didn't get this warning, so all of the traders sank beneath the ocean. And these survivors of Atlantis, they actually spread out throughout the world, taking civilization with them to teach to the other new humans, the Homo sapiens sapiens, us. They went to places like Egypt, Sumeria, etc. And their wisdom traditions and teachings would degrade over time, but in a way, I guess, and maybe the culture, some of the cultures, Atlantis did survive in a way. The teachings, some of the teachings at least, and some of the original spiritual practices. But for the most part, the Atlans basically lost all their technology with the sinking of Atlantis, unlike the reptilians and the sinking of Lemuria. However, us Homo sapiens sapiens, the warrior race created by the Elohim, fulfilled our mission, I guess, or our destiny by becoming the sole main human force in opposition to the reptilians on planet Earth. There still were some of the Maldekians and the Martians on the planet, as well as, you know, the, the surviving Atlanteans. But for the most part, when it came down to numbers and the future, it was the Homo sapiens sapiens us. The Elohim believed that we could control our reptilian brain with our higher reasoning and could in the end overcome the reptilians. There was also more to our creation that the reptilians had no idea about despite like uh, them being there during the creation period. Uh, and that is, or a part of our creation, you know, and that is that human beings were basically incredibly blessed with like spiritual capabilities and a connection to the divine like way beyond what we should be compared to how long we've been around our natural selection and growth however the reptilians being reptilians it didn't take them too long to figure this out especially when humans are just casually striding through the astral plane the fourth dimension where they mainly hang out just casually in our sleep but the thing is too is just like with the arconic influences in the solar system the reptilians don't really have any influence over humans who cultivate this connection to the divine. They don't have any influence over like ascended humans. They can't be messed with. And the reptilians couldn't have that now, could they? I don't want to get too into the spiritual stuff of all this stuff just yet. Like, um, but just essentially there's like a bigger picture to it all. And the reptilians are not necessarily physical beings all the time, which might not make sense. This lore says that they can change their vibrations so they can actually both be physical, you know, appearing right in front of you as a real alien, but they're also, they exist mostly in the lower fourth dimension. They are essentially interdimensional entities on top of being aliens. And since the moment that we spread out across the earth to claim our destiny as the rulers and main inhabitants of this planet, the reptilians have been doing all that they can to suppress us and our true abilities. We've been controlled and divided against one another throughout our entire history thanks to the reptilians. However, one of their best forms of control isn't even the reptilians themselves, like their weird, crazy, subtle influence. They utilize interdimensional entities called the Archons, according to Len Kasten and other researchers. The Archons are entities that were formed at the same time the solar system was forming so are as old as the sun and planets themselves. They are beyond ancient. However, they cannot exist in the material world, so they only exist vicariously through humans. 
they are robotic in a way and not sentient in the way that other sentients like entities exist in the rest of the universe. They are analogous to a parasitic mind virus and utter masters of deception, manipulation, and illusion. The Archons try to keep humans at their most base, lower form of consciousness because it is at this level that they are able to most manipulate humanity. All perfect for the Reptilians' agenda. And for the same reason, the Archons agree to work with the Reptilians. Some researchers say this is because the Reptilians have experience with Archons like in other solar systems throughout their empire. Like they have experience with them. But just why they do work together is actually up for debate no matter what source of lore you're working with. Could be anything. Who knows, the Archons could even be controlling the Reptilians. In any case, the Archons are fantastic in keeping people trapped in fake worlds and lies. And they are pretty much just master hoaxers and experts at creating individual matrices for individual people. They have easy access to weak minds, always pushing illusions and fake worlds. But luckily, only humans at lower levels of consciousness can actually be affected by the Archons. So you can see why the reptilians are so keen on keeping humanity at like low vibrations, divided, and fearful. And who knows how many more cosmic horror Archon entities exist in the universe outside of our solar system, manipulating other alien species as well. And then there is the Nibiru electrostatic transduction field on top of the Archons doing their bidding. One of the earliest goals of the Reptilians was to essentially cut humans off from the rest of our kin in the universe. Since the Reptilians on Earth are isolated and far from their own people and kind of doing their own thing, they knew that humans could get assistance from our other uh, Lyran family members in the galaxy. And our other alien Lyran family members in the galaxy have a technology on par with the Reptilians, so it was actually a pretty big threat. Thus, they created an electromagnetic force field around the Earth called the Nibiru Electrostatic Transduction Field in the earliest days of the human race when we were created by the Elohim and left the Garden of Eden. This is before the fall of Lemuria and Atlantis, when Homo sapiens sapiens were just babies and mostly relegated to the Near East and Africa. What's odd is, in the sources say that it was the, the Anunnaki, which I'm sure that we're all familiar with here. They had tech that launched sonic pulses into the Earth's grid, and it was the Anunnaki who were the ones performing all this. But what the what this electromagnetic force field does is it prevents signals going out and coming in from higher dimensions. The Elohim created humans to be naturally highly potent interdimensional spiritual beings, which is why the Reptilians consider us so much of a threat to their ownership of Earth. We were created as a compromise between the godlike Elohim and the Reptilians, but the Reptilians would have never gone along with it unless they thought that they could have the edge. Like, they don't play fair. Hence, uh, one of their aces in the hole, the Nibiru electrostatic transduction field. The Atlanteans and Maldek humans protected the infant Homo sapien race for as long as they could, but after the fall of Atlantis, they were, like I said, they were all but destroyed. Other than guidance from a few remaining ones, that is, but for the most part, we were on our own from that point on. 
This field is not a total blackout, though. It blocks humanity's natural spiritual power from forming and creating like a, a bond with other spiritual beings in the galaxy or like communicating on spiritual planes and all that. But that just means we have to actually work for it. It takes effort to get through the field, but can be overcome. For the masses of humanity, though, it basically blocks them permanently because they have no idea that there is even that potential there in the first place. And through social conditioning, can even subconsciously block themselves. This field also keeps souls reincarnating on Earth over and over with no memory of their past lives. But this too can be overcome. Uh, there's like Akashic Records lore I could go into, but I mean, I haven't even gotten into the Nazis yet, so. I'm gonna kind of rush through some notes here. After the fall of Atlantis, the survivors spread out across the planet and not only took many humans with them, but gathered humans around them to them as well to create the first civilizations. Some were already existing at the time of Atlantis, you know, like Egypt and uh, a handful of others. But for the most part, the survivors of Atlantis are the fathers of civilization as we know it. They also created the wisdom traditions and mystery schools, which were potent ways to overcome the energy field surrounding the earth that blinds humanity and binds our souls here. So like the mystery schools and wisdom traditions, that's Atlantean apparently. However, despite all the tools of control that the reptilians had, the battle for Earth had just begun. And you can insert a bunch of history here where the reptilians are doing messed up stuff from behind the scenes and manipulating humanity. But uh, when the reptilian plan was approaching our times, their first priority in total enslavement of the human race was to find a chosen people to work through. They had to wait until our technology, globalism, and industrialization reached a certain level before they could begin their big moves on the chessboard. Once we were far enough along, they knew that they could poison our air, food, and minds. It all would be a million times easier than earlier times in our history, when we were more primitive, I guess. Technologically primitive. Hence their biggest puppets. The Illuminati, or Cabal, or Elites, or 1%. Bilderberg group, people, type people, whatever you want to call them. They all have an alliance with the reptilians and serve them, thinking that it will save them in some way down the line when our enslavement is complete. It won't, but they think it will, which makes them humanity's most dangerous enemy. The reptilians only use force for annihilation, so they kind of uh, got the perfect tools to use. They... Um, their infiltration and subterfuge and trickery. They use all this to penetrate all the powerful corporations and organizations going forward. Remember, according to this lore, they don't even care if people they rule know of their existence in the first place. So the smoother the operation, the better. And the smoothest way that you can move is through deception and obfuscation. And that's all they do these days. But it doesn't make their their um, control and domination any less potent. And as we're approaching the modern age, closer to the modern age, their chosen people to conduct their master plans. Well, one of the key people in the 19th and 20th centuries 
would be the German people. Not all of them, but I mean, come on, this lore is about Nazis in space. So, any Germans out there, no offense to you, obviously, from my end, this is just what this narrative says. But the Germans were allegedly the reptilians' chosen people. And the Archons from subtle dimensions altered a whole generation of Germans. They enhanced them physically and in other ways, while lowering their mammalian brain to make them more cool and calculating, ruthless, and lowered compassion and a disregard for the suffering of others. The Archons essentially altered this generation of humans to become proto-humans with a reptilian mindset. But in order to use this altered generation of Germans for their plans, the reptilians needed Germany to be a world power. Hence, they're sending reptilian-human hybrids into the German aristocracy, and the Germans rise to power on a global scale, pretty much being accomplished by a single man, Otto von Bismarck, who himself was a reptilian hybrid. Before Bismarck, Germany was a bunch of independent states with a very creative and liberal-minded culture. Not liberal as in our modern times liberal, liberal as in classical liberal. It was probably the chillest area to party in all of Europe. Not necessarily Prussia, but the other German states. And thanks to the efforts of Bismarck, these powerful independent states would be unified into a single European superpower under the dominance of Prussia. Other than Prussia, they were mostly pretty peaceful and had a culture of drinking, stories, art. Uh, they, you know, all the good stuff. Everybody wanted to hang out in Germany. That is until this generation of altered Germans from the astral plane. They had their, their DNA altered. They were altered on a subconscious level through dreams and other ways. But this generation would play like a key factor in altering the destiny of the German states forever. So yeah, there was a whole subtle spiritual battle going on behind the scenes as well, but essentially a generation of German reptilian hybrids were born. This astral dreamscape manipulation that he goes into in, in uh, his book. Look at sources will be in the details or description of this episode. But um, essentially they were like very manipulated on a subconscious level through dreams and whatnot. It is a form of behavioral modification and is allegedly not that uncommon in alien abductions, both before and after abductions and throughout an abductee's life. And the German people became the sole people this was being conducted on by the reptilians during these times, like the mid-1800s. No, before that. Uh, around then, though, actually. It was when they were born. If my math is right. No, my math isn't right. In any case, one of the most civilized cultures in the world was prepped for relentless bloodshed. The set was staged just in time for the iconically influenced authoritarian generation of conquerors to come into play. Realpolitik, real politic, was the creed of Bismarck, which basically means the ends justify the means, and to win and acquire for the state by any means necessary. Very reptilian mindset. But it wasn't just the union of the German states that made Germany a superpower. It was also the industry and scientific advancement that was cultivated to the point that some call it a second industrial revolution. Since Germany was made of already strong independent states, the infrastructure was second to none globally. They quickly just became a leader in like the chemical industry as well as many others. 
uh, out of nowhere, just like a global power, basically. There was a point that Germany was the most advanced nation on the planet, all thanks to the ruthless ambitions of Bismarck and his wars. The German Empire was born. One thing you can invest in that does not lose value is gold and silver. There is no better place to go for financial security than GoldCo. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau. Get the free 2023 Gold IRA Kit Americans are using to protect their retirement savings. Get your free 2023 Gold IRA Kit at goldcogoldkit.com. GoldCo is a leader in the precious metals industry. From Precious Metals IRA to direct purchases of precious metal coins and bars, we partner with individuals seeking to diversify and safely grow their retirement portfolios. Allow Gold Co. to make your gold and silver investments easy, seamless, and secure. Our investment is in good hands. Chuck Norris, what? Oh, I'm recording. $30 off weed with code PODCAST? Did someone say $30 off weed with code PODCAST? Amuse delivers over 500 high-quality cannabis products from the Bay Area brands you love at everyday low prices. You can also rest assured that everything will be up to your high standards. So what are you waiting for? Start shopping now at Amuse.com. Use promo code PODCAST to save 30 bucks off your next order. That's A-M-U-S-E.com. Is your brain always hungry? Do you have a mental appetite that often goes unsated? You may be suffering from hungry brain syndrome, a debilitating and sometimes life-threatening condition experienced by humans who require double, sometimes even quadruple, the amount of mental nutrition needed to sustain the general population. But now there's help. For years, our dedicated team of world-class researchers have been developing a thicker, more nutrient-dense podcast specifically for sufferers of hungry brain syndrome. And now we want to share it with you. All you have to do is search for our podcast, The Whole Rabbit, in your podcast player of choice and select from one of our delicious flavors like Slovenian succubi, Gnosticism, or Ancient Egypt. It's no wonder The Whole Rabbit is the most recommended treatment for hungry brain syndrome on the market. So what are you waiting for? Try The Whole Rabbit today. Do not listen while deep sea diving. Side effects may include eating carrots and shooting lasers.
as the turn of the century was coming to an end. The Age of Empires was still ongoing full-blown and Germany had now entered the stage as a major player. What historians call the Scramble for Africa occurred after a great council of European powers and Germany had their dibs on their own little section of the continent. 1884 was the year the whole world noticed the unignorable powerhouse the newcomer Germany was on the global stage. Some countries like Portugal were surprised that Germany even attended since they were such newcomers and upstarts. But when the Germans asserted themselves, everyone knew that they could not be ignored. By this time, many of the German generation that had been altered by the Archons and Reptilians were at fighting age, and many were part of the German military. Bismarck was getting old and not really patient enough to deal with the 29-year-old Kaiser who descended from the reptilian royal bloodlines across Europe. This uh, Kaiser, Wilhelm II, didn't think that Bismarck actually went far enough despite his insane level of achievement and wanted to really push Germany out as an imperial world power to basically rule the world in the future. He had a huge ego that needed to be satisfied and he wanted Bismarck's name to be beneath his own. If you know what I mean because Bismarck was obviously a legend at this point, and the Kaiser was jealous of all the attention and renown that he had. He wanted to push him into the sidelines, into out of the spotlight, and he was willing to do this with real politique, in the most ruthless way possible, to achieve the desired goals and justify the means. The Herero people of Africa would put the reptilian influence on Germany on full display specifically on this generation that I've been referring to. Huge swaths of Southwest Africa was agreed upon to be theirs and to annex and add to their German empire. Well, their growing German empire was pretty, uh, not very much there, but, um, man, I'm kind of turning this into a history lesson. I'm just going to skip ahead a bit. But how the Imperial army treated these people, the Herero, is more horrific than you could possibly imagine. And this is long before World War One and World War Two. I don't want to go too much into more specific detail because it's nightmarish, but go look up the Herero genocide and the Africa parts of the German Empire if you want to know more grisly detail. What they did to men, women, and children is the embodiment of evil, and the internment slave camps were ruthless in extermination. People were given death certificates on arrival to the concentration camps. So, I really cannot understate the unhinged brutality that went on. But what all this horror did achieve for the reptilians was that this altered generation, they were experienced in battle by the time of World War I, and old enough to be in the officer class, who were renowned for sending out endless waves of German youths to their deaths in World War I without blinking an eye. By World War II, this generation would still be the officer higher up, like in charge, aging veterans, people, still having an influence on making horrific nightmares real in, in the real world, but I'll get to that. Let's just say that all these old people who were part of this original altered generation were pulling strings in the background and in charge of a lot of corporations, business, uh, other establishment power bases, you know, like institutions, so they still influenced World War II, but not necessarily fully on the battlefield. And I know what you may be thinking, but it didn't matter that the Germans lost World War I. 
because that was apparently a part of the reptilian plan. It was, uh, like they think very long term. It was creating the stepping stones to the Third Reich. The betrayal of the Treaty of Versailles and how the German people were seemingly unfairly punished after the war was a huge factor in the reptilians moving their pieces on the chessboard. They had their generation of altered German reptilian hybrids, but they wanted the entire nation to have an inbuilt fury towards the rest of the world. And with this fury, this helped launch World War II and it is during World War II that a huge part of the reptilian plan would come together. It was all about making room for Hitler. And Hitler wasn't even part of the reptilian human bloodline of rulers across the world. He was by all definitions a pretty normal person. Not a, like a, you know, I guess a peasant. He wasn't royalty or one of the elites and stuff like that. He wasn't from a super wealthy family. Nothing, none of that. Hitler was just a normal dude. But what Hitler did embody was the Prussian ideal and the will, ruthlessness, and charisma to pull off the reptilian plans. Other Nazis that were into the occult were actually instantly convinced that he was the guy for the job because of his astrology chart of all things, because apparently it's pretty wacky. But for inexplicable reasons for some, this normal guy seemed to be the right one to play the part of the Fuhrer. It was also setting up the stage for the dominance of Big Pharma, media mind control, and the Illuminati to basically be the New World Order for the coming century. As stated earlier, according to this lore, the Illuminati are directly controlled by the Reptilians. And all this is just all setting the stage for essentially creating a fake reality and forcing everybody to accept it and live in it and just a fake world of indoctrinated people from birth. So even victory for their chosen people during World War II was not necessarily part of the plan for the overall goal. I mean, they did want to win, but they didn't have to win. Because even though they didn't win in, you know, our mainstream history, according to this stuff, they actually won World War II even though they lost it. And the way that it played out at the end was just pretty much a smokescreen. The Fourth Reich is apparently one of the most prominent powers not only on Earth presently, but also in neighboring star systems. Weird, right? But uh, yeah, apparently there was a whole secret Nazi space program according to this lore. And the Nazi dark fleet dominates our solar system. And if you want to get deeper into this more than what I'm covering, go ahead and uh, I'll leave a link to the book, The Dark Fleet, and you can go check it out yourself. But just how did the Nazis become an interplanetary power, right? Well, once the reptilians started hooking them up with pretty crazy technology, it didn't take them long to really come into their own. And apparently they have a base on the moon and pretty much their capital city is on Mars, Ares Prime. The open Nazi reptilian alliance formed in the 1920s, long before Hitler came to power. Before that, their control was all subterfuge and manipulation from behind the scenes. But in the 1920s, they would formally present themselves the National Socialist Party, and the Socialists would gladly accept them. Hitler was introduced to the Reptilians by his occultist friend, Dietrich Eckhart, who his order of occultists helped identify Hitler as the man that the Reptilians were looking for. And Eckhart died before World War II, but before he died, he said that Hitler was his own man, but he would be dancing to Eckhart's tune. 
So even in death, Eckhart had a huge role over World War II and Hitler specifically. In the book Alien World Order by Len Kasten, he also goes into black magic rituals that Hitler and Dietrich were a part of, uh, that the reptilians were at. These group rituals took place between 1920 and 1923, to which it's documented Hitler's personality changed with the reptilian influence growing within him. Eckhart himself believed that a malevolent entity that was the Antichrist was beginning to fully possess Hitler over these rituals. But Eckhart wasn't actually fully aware of what was really going on. He didn't see the reptilians as reptilians. To him, they were like demonic entities. The occultist saw a lot of what he wanted to see based on his own biases and did not know that the entities he was dealing with were reptilians as we know them. The reptilians exist in the fourth dimension, which is basically the lower astral realm. Well, not the, all the fourth dimension. The lower astral realm is in the fourth dimension, but they exist in this area where it's like there's demonic entities, there's lost souls, and then there's like more negative entities like the reptilians there. And it could be that this place of the fourth dimension, this astral plane area, is actually what inspired hell because it could be kind of considered hellish in a way. But since they are in the fourth dimension, they can actually masquerade as things that they are not to gullible occultists. They were also absolutely using Eckhart's satanic worldview against him to do their bidding. But honestly, the occultist probably would have willingly done it even even if he knew that they were reptilians. He and his group would have done it anyway, even if they did appear to him in their true forms. So you may wonder then why wouldn't they just appear as reptilians? And the answer to this is pretty simple. They didn't want to reveal themselves as aliens to those people at the time, to a lot of the early people, which led to the later like reptilian Nazi alliance because it was long before like the 60s and 50s huge sci-fi boom. A lot of people were still kind of stuck in the old worldview of things. The idea of aliens was kind of beyond the comprehension of a lot of people in their worldview of those times. Especially satanic occultists raised in the early 1900s. Like the zeitgeist, the paradigm, it just wasn't really there. So it would have been harder to achieve their goals. It would have been more efficient just to appear in a way that they wanted to see or expected to see from their own perspectives. Get what I'm saying? In any case, so the reptilians would eventually reveal themselves openly. But the point is Hitler was greatly influenced by these entities of the astral plane to the point it changed his psychology and personality. And from that point forward, the reptilians paved the way for Hitler's dominance of Germany. We all know what happens after that. Hitler destroys democracy in Germany and essentially becomes a modern day Caesar like in ancient Rome with total power and control over the nation. However, by the time the Americans invaded Italy, Hitler and the reptilians knew that their time wasn't drawing to an end, I guess. They knew that they saw the writing on the wall. They couldn't win once the Americans were full blown going and they took Italy. And it's from this point on that World War II basically is a stage from the Nazi perspective. Hitler wasn't really too worried about it because he knew that he would be surviving in Argentina. But, um, you know, like if you look at the picture of his body double who died, or from, sorry, confusing myself. If you look at the pictures of the Russians of like, you know, when Hitler deleted himself 
They pulled out that body and there's a picture of it. You can see that doesn't look like Hitler. So the whole thing that they're going off of here is that this was a body double to which it's objective that Hitler had many body doubles who looked very similar to him, which is weird because they chose one of the body doubles that didn't really look like you could pick him out and be like, that's not Hitler. But I guess they were working with what they had. In any case, the Nazis basically fled from that point on to Argentina and to their base in Antarctica. Hitler went to Argentina and lived out the rest of his days. End of World War II and the story as we know it. In the book, Germany's Antarctic Claim, it's stated that Hitler and the Nazi leadership early on learned of one of the headquarters of the reptilian overlords in Antarctica and that it was their destiny to journey there and begin the construction of their own base of operations where they would be introduced to reptilian technology. This is even before the start of World War II, FYI. But back before the war, they were updated on their tasks and how they would eventually receive spacefaring technology from the reptilians in Antarctica. It's this wasteland of ice that the Fourth Reich really formed. This is where they were introduced to the technology that would lead them to making a base on the moon as well as Mars. And this secret space program was developed in the 40s and 50s. There were more and more secret journeys beyond Earth. However, their rulership of the planet with the reptilians remained a secret. Like I said, just like the aliens liked it. The victorious nations were all but infiltrated by not just Nazi scientists, but by the Nazi intelligence agents and all other forms you can think of. Even a lot of the Nazi intelligence agents were abducted, like, not abducted, um, brought into the CIA and stuff like that, but also into corporations and all the other forms of institutions that rule. So use your imagination. It's pretty much the point that they are everywhere in our corporate oligarchy. Not only in America, but across seas as well. Blonde-haired, blue-eyed Ukrainians were abducted as youths to make up the population of a number of settlements, with Mars being one of the main ones. The base on the dark side of the moon is no joke either, complemented with technology that dwarfs anything we got. And all this was regulated by the Dark Fleet, the Fourth Reich's armada of spaceships. They essentially became a police force for traffic in the solar system. However, their first and foremost loyalty is to the reptilian overlords, who they always have a strong working relationship with. The Dark Fleet even joins in on reptilian agendas, uh, going outside the solar system and into nearby star systems for exploitation and conquest in the most sadistic ways you can think of. They are Nazis. So they are basically the vanguards of the reptilians out here in this frontier area of the, of the galaxy on this frontier planet we call Earth. The original people who ran the Dark Fleet are thought to be the surviving Nazis that fled to Argentina, as well as the ones from the secret base in Antarctica. But in modern times, they have developed into their own completely autonomous society. A lot of what supplemented their population early on was abducting blue-eyed, blonde-haired children, but abduction to sufficiently increase their numbers has long become irrelevant. Hitler ended up living the rest of his life pretty well in Argentina and didn't really 
get involved in the workings of the Fourth Reich, just kind of retired after World War II. He didn't get involved in the Nazi secret space program or journey to the moon or to Mars or even to Antarctica. But the occult legacy of Hitler and the Nazi leaders would live on in the ideology of the Fourth Reich. Hitler was also probably having a lot of issues later on in life because of his uh, massive meth addiction, which isn't as well known as it should be. He used to have that stuff straight up injected to him daily by his doctor. That's why Hitler was sleeping during the Normandy invasion and could not give the orders for reinforcements. He was crashed. But Ares Prime, the main capital of Mars for them, it is basically a fully Germanic Teutonic planet. There are other alien species that come and go throughout the solar system, as well as slaves. But for the most part, as a people who are running things and in charge, Mars is maintained as wholly Germanic. But making Mars their headquarters wasn't easy. The Nazis had to deal with two other factions already living there. Reptilians not associated with the reptilians on Earth or the Draco Empire, who were called Reptoids and were actually actively aggressive to the Draco Empire reptilians. They view them as invaders and have fought battles against them and won. The reptoids are different than the reptilians on Earth as well because they are oddly mostly peaceful unless messed with, but formidable adversaries if antagonized. Then there are also the insectoids that live on Mars. They are extremely intelligent and look similar to insects on Earth, but in a somewhat recognizably humanoid shape. Uh, other than that, they have, they have four arms. But just like the reptoids, they won't really mess with anyone unless they're messed with. They're pretty much mostly peaceful and are also formidable warriors if the time comes for it. These two factions are at a standoff with the Nazis on Mars, but it has not escalated in decades. Think of North and South Korea kind of a situation. And these civilizations are underground, if I didn't clarify that. And I'm pretty sure not originally from Mars, but showed up after the reptilians terraformed Earth. Because, you know, the, the other, like the destroyed planet humans and then the Martian humans, they all went to Earth. Which basically left Mars open for grabs, I guess. The Dark Fleet is still the head honcho in administrating the space around Mars, though. Even though there is an accepted stalemate between these factions there. And there are even more alien races that come and go ministered by the Nazis, with many being sworn enemies that would normally attack each other on site. However, according to the contracts for Ares Prime and other Mars cities under the crust, these aliens that hate one another, um, they even have areas like right next to each other, but they won't attack each other because, uh, because of the peace contracts. It would be detrimental to their societies. Other than that, though, the, it's basically just slave populations and the Germanic people who dominate the Red Planet. There's also a whole other factor from these books that I've kind of left out that has to do with super soldiers, which is interesting. Uh, they are also like abducted early childhood to become super soldiers like uh, or just slaves. But uh, also there's like time travel stuff in it, which can get kind of confusing. I will eventually get around to making an episode on that. The German scientists on Mars also regularly utilize cloning. Someone's consciousness and memories can even be transferred into a cloned body as one of the greatest achievements of reptilian science. They also have pools of regeneration that bring back lost limbs and heal the most grievous wounds. They can even have someone brought back to life if the 
like the wounds on the body were not mortal. So in this lore, we also got time travel, cloning, faster than light speed, super soldiers, revivification after death. We're talking an insane level of technology the space Nazis have that make anything we got look trivial. Basically, all the space programs and stuff on Earth are a lie, according to this lore, and have only the most basic and primitive technology. It's all about the secret space programs. That's where the real stuff is. Earth is all just a deception, and our world is just an illusion, keeping us in ignorance and controlling us. Pretty freaky to think about, right? But I find this stuff fascinating. Reptilians and space Nazis slowly devolving the human race into mind slaves and not even bothering or having to do it openly because that's how little we matter in the big scheme of things to them. Pretty dark. I'm not trying to blackpill you though, and you should take all this with a grain of salt. It's just lore. And even, you know, it's not all doom and gloom anyway, because the evil empire is actually in decline. There has been an increased resistance in white hats as well as rebels, and of course our intergalactic family of the Federation. That's all kind of coming together to hasten the decline of the reptilians and space Nazis. So don't worry, all this stuff is far from over. We're not just automatically destined to become mind slave food of the reptilians. After all, total control violates the very laws of nature and the universe. That's all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed Reptilians and Space Nazis. Make sure you check out my sources. All the links will be in the details. Cryptic Chronicles is available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and basically all podcast hubs. You look for us and we're there. If you can, listener, please like, share, uh, give me reviews. It really helps the algorithm and helps boost the show. Uh, also share this on social media or share Cryptic Chronicles altogether with anybody like you, a free thinker interested in the mysteries of existence. It would really help me out and we would be best friends forever. And if you like Cryptic Chronicles and you happen to be awesome, then you can become a supporter of the show on Patreon as well as Subscribestar or just donate through PayPal. You get access to ad-free episodes as well as exclusive content and episodes months in advance compared to the rest of the world. And all this for only a single dollar. Just go to crypticchronicles.com. At the top, click on the Chronicler's Vault. Also look for links in the description of this episode and you'll be good to go. As always, I'd like to thank my current patrons, MJ Calvo, Adrian, John, Celestial Weavers, Alien X, Lorna Grubb, Linda Gonzalez, Angela Dallaire, Ashley, Brad Herbert, Lawrence Lee, Patricia Coles, Kayla, Max, Michael Worrell, Jimmy Woods, Grodius, Sophia Owens, Scott Wellman, Beware the Q, Ashley Thompson, Matt Poland, 
Johnny Wick, DeYale Adams, Danny Van Heck, Carnage, Jesse Leach, Austin Monday, Michael Graham, Ed Hawks, Trusty Old Senpai, Lex Lazarus, Brian Nolan, Jared, Matthew Larson, Jismic, Space Coin, Gary Hetzel, Tom McClurney, Colton Spenner, Justin, Miyamoto Musashi, Jeremy Gross, Psychic Terror, Jacob, Neil McBride, Cameron Sanders, Robin Van Patten, Ryan L., and Bleed Gray. You mean a lot to me, and you are the ones that keep the lights on. Thank you so much for your support, but most of all, thanks for listening. And as one of the greatest philosophers who ever lived once said, Being conscious literally means to be aware. Aware of your surroundings and aware of yourself. Aware of your thoughts and aware of your actions. Therefore, constantly being in a state of reflection, evolving yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually.